Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Where this does apply to us today is you finish well. You're saved. Okay, finish well. Run the race. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and you finish well. You keep running until you cross the finish line. He's got you. He knows how to rescue you. He knows how to step in at the right moment, at the right time to help you with whatever it is that you happen to need within that time frame. If you're in a competition, you're filled with tenacity to finish first. Before Jesus ascended, he reminded his disciples to endure as well. Don't just finish the race, but finish it well. Be proud of what you've accomplished through the Great Commission. Pastor James admonishes us to finish well. Our salvation in Jesus isn't the finish line, but just the start of an amazing adventure. Today, keep running the race and see how the Word of God and the Holy Spirit could lead you to helping someone else run the race today, too. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 13, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Where we last left off, we were going through chapter 13, and we certainly didn't make it as far as even what I intended on making, but we made it through the first eight verses there, and a lot of that was just letting us know about the signs of the end times, which is something that's very, uh, yeah, it's just, it fascinates us, right? I mean, I know it does, because I see all the follows for Jack Hibbs. I see that his church just blew up like crazy during COVID, and they do a lot of end times updates in J.D. Farrakh and all those guys. All I got to do is just look at their hits or their follows on their pages to know that you guys are interested in end times things, right? Which is good, which is important, but the end times things is not the thing, okay? Can I just say that? Sometimes we get so caught up in like the tribulation stuff and the antichrist and guys, it's not even that big of a deal, for the believers. It's something we should be aware of and we should know because we're going to see that in the scriptures today, but that should never be the main thing. And I love all those guys who do prophecy updates. In fact, this Thursday, we'll probably watch a Jack Hibbs prophecy update because we're going to do our luau-themed potluck, and then we'll do a little... Jack Hibbs just put out this new prophecy update video thing, and I would like for us to watch that. I've already watched through it. It's really informative. It's really good because we need to be aware of these things, but we don't need to make these things the thing. Okay? I don't care about the Antichrist. I, I don't care. It doesn't, I'm not trying to figure out who he is. Jesus is the only one that matters. So we got to know, but we got to strike a balance. We have to strike a balance. And I say that in a loving and a gentle way, because we can go down these rabbit holes of end time stuff, which again is important, but it's not the most important thing. Okay? In chapter 13, it's beautifully set up where Jesus is talking to his disciples about this is what it's going to look like in the end. Here's the times and, you know, all the stuff that's going to be happening. And where we get to in verse 9, we're actually where we pick up in verse 9, it's going to talk about what's immediately going to be happening. There's a, an immediate fulfillment to this, but there's also a future fulfillment to this, okay? But we need to be aware, too, context, okay? This is a good practice for you Bible students, if you are one. Context is key. 
Jesus is talking to Jews. Jesus is talking to Jews. Doesn't mean we're not going to get persecuted, but let's never forget that the first people that he's speaking to about this are Jewish disciples. So it applies to them first and foremost, okay? Doesn't mean we won't experience this stuff. Now, when we go through the list, you're like, yeah, I'll pass. I don't want to experience any of that stuff. (laughs) But this is where it's at, verse 9. But watch out for yourselves. I'm in a new King James today. Sorry if I I didn't give anybody a heads up. (laughs) But watch out for yourselves. Now, that word watch, that term, I should say, watch, it's repeated all throughout this chapter. So Jesus wants us to be aware, okay? So concerning the end times, Jesus wants you to be aware. He wants you to be watching. He wants you to be alert. So it is important to be mindful and to be paying attention, for sure. Watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. Now, again, he is speaking to his Jewish disciples. None of you will probably be beaten in a Jewish synagogue, okay? That's probably not going to happen to you. Doesn't mean you won't face persecution, but let's make sure that we don't stray too far away from the text itself. And we try to, like, make this fit within our understanding. The simplest, like, interpretation of this is he's speaking to Jewish disciples, and this will have an immediate fulfillment to these guys. We know because all you have to do is read the book of Acts, and you see that this came true. All you have to do is, I mean, we'll, we'll see even in the end times, some of this stuff will happen, but for sure, this portion had a fulfillment, and it came, you know, maybe some 30, 40 years down the road for these guys. But they would suffer these persecutions. They're going to be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake. Now, that's a key thing there. They're not being persecuted for the sake of persecution. They're being persecuted because they identify as Christ followers. The world will always have a problem with the name of Jesus. The world will always have an issue with Jesus. Now, there are some times where Time Magazine will let us know that they're There's the most influential people of all times. Jesus isn't even top of that list, by the way. He's not. I think he's three on their list. So they have some sort of certain amount of respect for Jesus. But when you really boil it down to who Jesus was and what he taught, the world does not like Jesus. They don't like Jesus. They don't like his messages. But it's because of his name that they are being persecuted. But here's the silver lining, right? This is Optimus Jesus, right? He's like, yeah, but don't worry about it. You're going to get beaten in synagogues. And they're like, oh, great. He's like, ah, don't worry about it, though, because that actually is going to be a good thing. How is that going to be a good thing for us? Well, he says, as you're brought before the rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them, this will be your opportunity to testify of Jesus to these religious leaders. Well, I don't want to get arrested. Yeah, but it's going to give you a great opportunity. I don't want to get beaten. Yeah, but you're going to get to share your testimony. It's worth it. It's worth it. And for these guys, these things happened to these guys. Absolutely happened to them. All of the disciples, except for John, would be murdered because of their allegiance to Jesus. They tried to murder John. They tried. They tried really hard, multiple occasions. But that guy just wouldn't die. And Jesus told me, he's like, don't worry, you, you know, Jesus kind of told him at the end of the gospel of John, like, he probably would live a little bit longer than some of his companions. But they all lost their lives for the sake of Jesus. They all did. 
Verse 10 says, and the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. So this is one of these verses here. We're just, we'll pick up the pace here just in a little bit. But I, I wanted to just clarify something for this. This is applicable to every single generation, for sure. To preach the gospel everywhere, for sure. Some people like to make this the like, Jesus will not come back until we do this thing. And that's, you can't say that dogmatically, okay? We need to go out there and preach the gospel to every single nation and tribe and all that good stuff. Here's the thing, though. If you read the book of Revelation, there's going to be 144,000 Jews who are evangelists, little mini Billy Grahams or Greg Lorries or whatever your evangelist thing is, Billy Sunday, if you go way back. Um, But they're going to be spreading the gospel all over. Plus, you're going to have these angels flying through the atmosphere. I don't even know what that is. Is it, it could be a literal angel sharing and proclaiming the gospel everywhere, everywhere. So does this apply to us? Yes, spread the gospel everywhere to every tongue and tribe and nation. Absolutely. What's cool about that is there are some Bible translators who have taken this challenge and they project that, I think it's in 2030, maybe, that they will have a Bible in every single known dialect, a translation in every known dialect. That's kind of cool. That's kind of, every person on this planet could have a Bible in their language, in their language. This thing here, this beautiful book called the Bible could be available in every known language. So we need to go out there. We need to share the gospel for sure. But there's also some future kind of stuff that's uh, behind this as well where when those 144,000 witnesses are cruising around, and they're not Jehovah's Witnesses, by the way, they are Jewish witnesses, they will be proclaiming the gospel all over. It's going to be cool. It's going to be amazing. That happens during the tribulation times. Okay? It says, but when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak or plan ahead what you will say. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. What a great promise for those who are under persecution. You're going to stand before, you know, rulers. The Lord's like, you don't need to, like, write out a speech. You don't need to write out your testimony. You don't need to worry about it at all. In fact, you just show up, and when they give you the opportunity, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say to them, this is not an excuse for preachers like myself to be lazy, okay? Because some guys will take this and say like, I don't really plan. I just kind of show up and I let the Holy Spirit speak through me. I think that's nonsense because I think the Holy Spirit is very orderly. And I think he can speak to and through pastors all during the week leading up to a Sunday, so there's some weird stuff that gets kind of going around. When you look at some of these verses, and, and there are people that are like, I never plan for a sermon. I just get up and I just speak whatever the Holy Spirit tells me. How do you know that's the Holy Spirit? How do you know that's not just you, right? Most times it is just them, by the way. Um, but for these guys under persecution, Jesus is telling his disciples, when they do this to you, don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit He's got you. Beautiful promise, not just that the Holy Spirit would give them the words, but that they would have the Holy Spirit with them, with them. John's gospel obviously lets us know it's going to be probably like the next day or so where Jesus is going to 
let the disciples know that I'm going to leave so that the Holy Spirit can, he can show up. And it's better that I leave and that you have the Holy Spirit. And this is part of that reason why, so that when they are arrested and sent before the officials, that the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of them would be able to give them the words that they needed. So they're not like, I got my court date, but, you know, and if Jesus was here on earth, like, well, there's going to be 11 of us, and if we all get different court dates then, or the same court date, how can, it's better that the Holy Spirit is in you, and he can just give you the right words at the right time. Beautiful promise, a wonderful promise that, that absolutely still applies to us today. Don't neglect the beautiful thing of the Holy Spirit, okay? I know, it, like, we're so tangible, kind of like people where it's like, I want Jesus here with me, Right? But it's like, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Amen. That's the third part of God, the triune God dwells. If you're a Christian, he dwells inside of you. It doesn't get any better than that. That's an amazing thing. But because it's like, I need to feel, I need to touch, I need learn to love and appreciate the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's amazing. He is amazing. And again, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So there's a little promise there. Verse 12, it says, Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death, kind of like what we heard about in North Korea. That would become a reality for these guys, but it will be an increased reality during the tribulation times. Family members will be selling out family members simply because of Jesus, simply because of Jesus. All allegiance within the family unit will be broken down. Parents will betray their kids. Kids will betray their parents. And we're like, how could that possibly happen? Look at our world today. My goodness, look at the world we live. Nobody cares about the family unit for the most part today. I mean, there's an active war trying to break up what is a traditional family unit. There's a war against that. You think that's just because? No, it's because we have this enemy who's trying to get us to this point as well, where kids will start selling out their parents, and parents will sell out their kids. They'll turn their backs on each other, deliver each other up to death, death, not just jail. I mean, you have to stop and pause there for a second, because his brother will betray brother to death. Your brother, if you have one, would like nothing more than to see you dead, because of your belief in Jesus, your sister, whoever your sibling may be, father, his child, a dad wanting nothing more than to see his kid killed because of Jesus, children wanting nothing more to see their parents put to death because of Jesus. Like, that's how deep this is, guys. That's how depraved this is. This is how dark it's going to get. They saw glimpses of this. We see glimpses of this. It'll get far worse down the road. And whatever attacks are, are happening against the family units now, it's just leading to this progression where nobody will think anything else of like, oh, yeah, yeah, turn your parents in. Turn your parents in and we'll cut their heads off because that's what Revelation tells us is going to be happening. Kids will be like, deal, here's their info. Turn your kids in. Deal. Here's their info. Turn your siblings in. Done. That's the reality of what's going to be happening here. And Jesus is giving them a heads up of like, it's going to get bad. And for Jews to hear this, 
because nobody valued the family unit more than the Jews. Now, there are other groups that are out there that place great emphasis on the family unit and all that good stuff for sure, but man, I've seen this in action in Israel today. You go over there, you see families, and they, man, they love each other. And so to hear this, it just magnifies how dark it's going to get. It's going to get. It says, verse 13, you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. And that doesn't mean salvation, because they're already saved, because the Holy Spirit, he can't dwell in you if you're not saved, okay? If Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit cannot and will not dwell in you, okay? That's Christianity 101. You have to be saved in order for the Holy Spirit to take up residency inside of you, okay? So what we're talking about here is not a, a salvation issue. It's a, it could be a glorification kind of issue, It also could mean a rescue that happens at the end times there. I have this little note here. It says, a person is genuinely saved by grace through faith. They endure to the end and will experience the consummation of their salvation, meaning they just get to see it like just fully lived out. And the idea there is that you and I, because where this does apply to us today is you finish well. You're saved. Okay, finish well. Run the race. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and you finish well. You keep running until you cross the finish line. He's got you. He knows how to rescue you. He knows how to step in at the right moment, at the right time to help you with whatever it is that you happen to need within that time frame. So, Again, he's talking to the disciples. Now he's going to transition into this great tribulation time period, okay? You can find the correlation to this story, the cross-reference of Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21. They go into a little bit more detail in some aspects. But here's Mark's account. It says, so when you see the abomination of desolation, we'll pause there. Why? This has technically three fulfillments, okay? So Daniel wrote about this, and we know Daniel was uh, speaking about this in What's it, 9, 11, and 12? And then he speaks about the Antichrist in chapter 7. We just went through Daniel not that long ago. The abomination of desolation is when a Gentile would set up an idol within the temple and demand worship there, okay? So first fulfillment was in 167 BC with uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. Crazy guy, madman, absolute madman. He took a pig in there, slaughtered a pig within the temple, and splattered its blood over everything, okay? That was the first abomination of desolations, okay? So it had, a, I'm going to say, an immediate fulfillment for Daniel because it wasn't too long after he made that prophecy. But then it had another fulfillment in AD 70 when the temple was destroyed. And these guys would see that happen in like 38 years down the road, Okay. So that would be another, technically, that would have been considered an abomination because Titus went into there, the general, the Roman general, I think that's his name, Titus, went into there and he defiled it. That was another abomination, desolation, I mix those up, abomination of desolation. However, what we're going to be talking about in this passage of scripture is going to be a future one, okay? 
the end times, the middle of the tribulation time period. Tribulation time period is seven years. At three and a half years, the Antichrist would establish an idol inside of the temple, the newly formed temple, and demand worship from everybody. That's the abomination of desolation that Jesus is going to be. Now, he'd be talking about the Roman one in AD 70 for sure, but he's also speaking of a future one. Because a lot of Bible commentators would say that this only applies to AD 70. And I, it's not really accurate, okay? Let's read through this and you'll see. It says, spoken of Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not. And that word, that uh, term there, standing, it actually means uh, it's, it's kind of a future. It's speaking of a, it's a future kind of reference. That's how we know this is tribulation type stuff says, let the reader understand in parentheses there. So it, again, wants us to have a good understanding of end times things. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. It's hard to travel, right? It's going to be hard to travel. What he's saying is when this goes down, you want to get as far away as possible. To the mountains could possibly be a reference to Petra. That's a stone fortress that's not that far away from Israel, okay? If you take a tour of Israel, you can add the Petra add-on to that tour, and you can go through this very narrow cavern kind of a thing, and there's a whole like carved out city within the, the walls of the mountain. Pretty sweet. Um, Never been. Never did the add-on package for that. But one of these days, maybe I'll get to go. That's kind of what people think is going to be happening here, is that the Jews would, in the end times, tribulation time, that they will flee for Petra okay, and seek out fortitude within there. He also says, not only for like those who are with child or nursing, it says, pray that your flight might not be in winter. okay, Because again, it's just difficult to travel then. For in those days there will be tribulation, such as not been seen since the beginning of the creation, which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. That's where we think this is future stuff. Because if this was only applicable to AD 70, persecution has gotten worse. Tribulation, quote unquote, has gotten worse so this can't just apply to eighty seventy in the event there. This has to be future. This has to be tribulation times. Because during the tribulation, the persecution is going to be like any other time throughout all of history. And in fact, if God, and we'll see this in a second, if he hadn't shortened the days, then nobody would be alive. That's how bad it will be during this time period. There you go. Next verse. I just had to keep reading. And unless the Lord had shortened those days... No flesh would be saved, but for the, the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Now, here's another thing. <clears throat> the elect, who are we talking about? That, well, that's all Christians. Eh, not technically. Not technically, okay? The Jews are the elect. He has chosen the Jews, the Jewish people, and that's who we believe he is speaking of here, okay? A lot of guys like to use this for their argument that there is not a pre-tribulation rapture, but that there is actually a mid-tribulation rapture, meaning at that halfway point, Jesus will call up the church, rescue us out of that time period. I understand that argument. I get that argument. I just don't really agree with that argument. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless. 
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle as he teaches through the book of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' time here on earth. Though it's short, this book is powerful as it's filled with encounters that Jesus had with people, everyday people just like you and me. And the book of Mark reminds us that Jesus came to serve. He humbly did what needed to be done, even if it wasn't glamorous. Jesus healed the people who were sick. He spent time with the lonely and the rejected. He loved the unloved unconditionally. And then he proved his love by the ultimate act of service. He gave up his life for all of us. He took the place of every person on the earth, and then those to come, because we all deserve death. Our sins make us unacceptable to God, and we're unable to do anything to fix it. That's why we need Jesus. Today, if you haven't allowed Jesus to be your Savior, please consider it again. If you have questions or would you like to talk more with someone, then please take a moment and go to breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. Just fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you. You can also come visit us if you're in the Galveston area. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we meet every Sunday and Thursday. So find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off in the book of Mark. So make a note of where we are and make plans to join us next time, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.